we summon ourselves from the demands and delights of the daily round, from the dirty dishes and the neglected paperwork, from the pile of ironing and the overflowing inbox, from all incompletenesses and not yet startednesses, from the unholy and the resolved, the unresolved in our lives. We summon ourselves to attend to our vision of peace and justice, of health and wholeness, of delight and devotion, of the lovely and the holy, of who we are and what we can do. We summon the power of tradition and the exhilaration of newness, the timeless wisdom of the ages and the fresh knowing of each generation. We summon beauty, eloquence, music and poetry to be the bearers of our dreams. We would open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts to the heights and depths of this life that we share. We rejoice in manifold promises and possibilities as this morning we join in worship together. These opening words adapted from some by Gordon McKeeman, they welcome all those who have joined on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. Special shout out to those gathered at Essex Church for a watch party this morning too gathered around the big screen. Welcome to regular members of our Essex Church congregation, to friends old and new, and welcome too to those who might be listening to the podcast or watching this on YouTube at a later date. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. I hope each and every one of you find something of what you most need in our gathering this morning. Please do hang around afterwards for a chat if you'd like to, or you can always drop us an email to say hello and introduce yourself or perhaps come along to one of our small group gatherings to get to know us better. Whether it's your first time or your thousandth, you are welcome here and you are valued. We've all got a part to play in co-creating this sacred space, this sense of beloved community. As we always say, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable this hour. It is lovely to see your faces in the Zoom gallery, but if you want to turn your camera off, that's fine. There'll be opportunities to join in as we go along, but there's no compulsion to do so. This morning's service has the title Poems to Live By. This is inspired by the recent revival of the Church Poetry Group by Brian, Marianne and David. I thought we'd have a congregational service where a few people would share poems which evoke some piece of wisdom that's significant to them and say a few words about why their chosen poem is particularly meaningful in their lives. So this morning, Patricia, Hannah, Juliet, Marianne and Brian are each going to do just that bringing poems that speak of spiritual, philosophical and social justice themes which reflect our values. And in fact, I nicked the service title today from this little book, Poems to Live By in Uncertain Times, edited by Joan Murray. And I wanted to read you just a few sentences from that book to set the scene. She says, It's been more than 60 years since Kenneth Burke spoke of literature as equipment for living. In my life, I found this to be true. Difficult events, whether personal or historic, have a way of overwhelming us. They can leave us weeping, raging or numb. Poems can cut through our confusion to speak knowingly and intimately to us and stir us from within. Knowing this, I've kept an eye open for poems that help me through such times because they move me or caution me, buck me up or lighten me up. I keep such poems in a binder labelled Poems to Live By. They do me good. So I hope this morning's service and the poems and reflections that we share, I hope they'll do us good too. 
Before we go any further, though, I'm going to lie a chalice as we do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. We gather this hour as people of faith with joys and sorrows, gifts and needs. We light this traditional beacon of hope, sign of our quest for truth and meaning in celebration of the life we share together. So each week when we gather together, whether it's in person at the church in Kensington or here as an online congregation, we share a simple ritual of candles of joy and concern, which is a chance to light a candle and share something that's on our heart with the rest of the community. Before we go into our usual candle lighting, though, I'd like us to take a moment for us to light candles in honour of three members of our community who have died in recent weeks. Diana Ward, Karina Dolso and Maureen Cummings the long-standing and much-loved members of this church. So I'm going to ask Sarah to light some candles over at the church in their honour. And perhaps we can take a moment or two silence to uh, honour those candles before we go on. So let's take all those joys and concerns, spoken and unspoken, all those little windows into our shared human condition, and let's hold them in loving kindness as we move into an extended time of prayer now. You might want to adjust your position to get comfortable. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Perhaps there's some position that feels more prayerful for you. Whatever you need to do to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now to be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is. We tune in to your holy presence, the light within and without. 
be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the centre of our being. This morning, let us honour our interconnectedness with each other and with those who have gone before us. When we witness suffering, whether in ourselves or in the world around us, may we know compassion. When we're at a loss for words, when we're unsure of the way ahead, may we be guided by this compassion to be witnesses still, to know and feel the truth that this human family is broken and hurting, that is breaking with every life lost, with each time someone's dignity is denied. When we find ourselves exhausted and defeated and unsure where to go, may we keep faithfully witnessing, forever turning towards your still small voice. Remind us too that the reality of suffering does not close us off from the possibility of joy. May we know that our connectedness is a miracle and may it be a refuge for us, felt in the voice of a friend, the touch of a loved one, in memories of good company shared. May we stay grateful for all the goodness we've witnessed and enacted in the world and may the warm companionship of our lives together hold us in love as we look towards a future that is full of possibility, yet uncertain as ever. Spirit of life, God of all love, we ask to know your constant presence, that it may remind us of what is sacred in each and every precious moment. And in a few moments of shared stillness now, let us each call to mind those people and situations who are on our hearts this morning. And let us hold them gently in loving kindness. And let us hold ourselves in loving kindness too, for each of us carries our own private burdens. Let us rest in self-compassion now, as we each ask silently for what we need this day. And let us take a moment to reflect on the week just gone in a spirit of gratitude. Let us notice and give thanks for those blessings, large or small, that have helped to lift our spirits.
spirit of life, God of all love. As this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. So we look forward now to the coming work week. Help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for us to sing. Our first hymn this morning is Come and Find the Quiet Centre. Continuing the prayerful mood. It's a recording by the Unitarian Music Society. The words will come up on screen so you can sing along or you might prefer just to listen. That is fine too. Interruption at the Opera House by Brian Patton. At the very beginning of an important symphony, while the rich and famous were settling into their quietly expensive boxes, a man came crashing through the crowds, carrying in his hand a cage in which the rightful owner of the music sat, yellow and tiny and very poor. And taking onto the rostrum this rather timid bird, he turned up the microphones and it sang. <laughs> 
a very original beginning to the evening, said the crowds, quietly glancing at their programs to find the significance of the intrusion. Meanwhile, at the box office, the organizers of the evening were arranging for small and uniformed attendants to evict, even forcefully, the intruders. But as the attendants, poor and gathered from the nearby slums at little expense, went rushing down the aisles to do their job, they heard, above the coughing, an irritable rattling of jewels, a sound that filled their heads with light. And from somewhere inside them there bubbled up a stream, and there came a breeze on which their youth was carried. How sweetly the birds sang. And though soon the fur-wrapped crowds were leaving their boxes and in confusion were winding their way home, still the attendants sat in the aisles, and some, so delighted at what they heard, rushed out to call their families and friends. And their children came, sleepy, for it was late in the evening, very late in the evening, and they hardly knew if they had done with dreaming or had begun again. In all the tenement blocks, the lights were clicking on, and the rightful owner of the music, tiny and no longer timid, sang for the rightful owners of the song. Brian Patton reading his poem is the only thing I remember about the concert for the housing charity shelter which I attended at the Mermaid Theatre in the late 60s. Shelter had just been formed out of the Notting Hill Housing Trust and its launch had benefited from the fact that the BBC drama Cathy Come Home had been shown just a month before. Many people, myself included, had been profoundly moved by the story of a young mother who, having been forced from her home, had her children snatched from her and put into care. I was living in Brentwood in Essex at the time and read in the local paper that some people were starting a shelter group and I joined them. Our aim was to raise money for the homeless. It was a popular cause and easy to get our Tory councillor to have her photo taken with us for the paper. But cheese and wine parties aren't really going to achieve much for a problem as deep and complex as homelessness. It wasn't long before we were contacted by a family facing eviction and wanting our advice and support. And suddenly we had to choose. Either we turned our backs and just continued with our fundraising or lose support by becoming politically involved with the issue. Being active politically is not easy. You soon realize that what seems so obvious to you does not appear so, even to some of your closest friends. Hopes can so easily be dashed. Frustration and despair can quickly take their place. I love this poem for its lyricism, for the way it tells a story, and for the story it tells. And I especially love it for the way it takes me back to that day when I first heard it and felt full of joy, hope, and a naive kind of belief that things could and would be different from then on. Language has such power. Perhaps 
if we heard only beautiful language, we would live in a much more beautiful world. The Right Word by Imtiaz Darker. Outside the door, lurking in the shadows, is a terrorist. Is that the wrong description? Outside that door, taking shelter in the shadows, is a freedom fighter. I haven't got this right. Outside, waiting in the shadows, is a hostile militant. Are words no more than waving, wavering flags? Outside your door, watchful in the shadows, is a guerrilla warrior. God help me. Outside, defying every shadow, stands a martyr. I saw his face. No words can help me now. Just outside the door, lost in shadows, is a child who looks like mine. One word for you. Outside my door, his hand too steady, his eyes too hard, is a boy who looks like your son, too. I open the door. Come in, I say. Come in and eat with us. The child steps in and carefully, at my door, takes off his shoes. Words. Although I have made a career out of words, I guess not everybody feels the way I do about them. For me, this poem represents the reality that most of the things that we convey in our life, we do through our words. That these choices have consequences. A word is not just a word. It is connected to emotional or political or personal or societal baggage. So that when we talk about the same person as a terrorist or a freedom fighter, as a parent or as a child, we completely shift our perception of that person and their circumstances. The words we choose matter. As we welcome the other into our home, into our lives, let us be mindful. We are more the same than we are different. Thank you, Hannah, and thank you, Patricia. We're moving now into a time of meditation and uh, to take us into the stillness, I'm going to share a short poem that I'm very fond of certainly one I'd consider a poem to live by. It's Small Kindnesses by Danusha Lameris. It's, um, it's been all over the internet, but it's also uh, the, the poem around which this book is kind of built, The Path of Kindness. So this poem will be followed by a few minutes of stillness and then some lovely piano music from Peter, during which we'll have our virtual chalice flame on screen, about six minutes in total. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable, maybe have a wiggle, 
Maybe get your feet flat on the floor so you feel more grounded. Maybe close your eyes. The words, the music, the images, they're all just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Small Kindnesses by Danusha Lameris. I've been thinking about the way when you walk down a crowded aisle, people pull in their legs to let you go by. Or how strangers still say bless you when someone sneezes, a leftover from the bubonic plague. Don't die, we're saying. And sometimes when you spill lemons from your grocery bag, someone else will help you pick them up. Mostly, we don't want to harm each other. We want to be handed our cup of coffee hot and to say thank you to the person handing it. To smile at them and for them to smile back. For the waitress to call us honey when she sets down the bowl of clam chowder and for the driver in the red pickup truck to let us pass. We have so little of each other now, so far from tribe and fire, only these brief moments of exchange. What if they are the true dwelling of the holy? These fleeting temples we make together when we say, here, have my seat. Go ahead, you first. I like your hat.
The poem I've chosen is Adlestrop by Edward Thomas. It feels as though I've known it for a long time, and I expect many of you know it too. It's included in a book called The Nation's Favourite Poems, published in 1996. And it's been read several times on Radio 4's Poetry Please programme. So it's obvious that it appeals to many people. Adelstrop is actually in Gloucestershire, between Stowe and the Wold, Wold rather, Chipping Norton, and Morton in Marsh. And the poem begins, Yes, I remember Adelstrop, as though someone has asked him, have you come across a little station called Adelstrop? And the poet continues dreamily. Yes, I remember Adelstrop, the name, because one afternoon of heat, the express train drew up there unwontedly. It was late June. The steam hissed. Someone cleared his throat. No one left and no one came on the bare platform. What I saw was Adelstrop, only the name, and willows, willow herb and grass a meadow sweet and haycocks dry, no whit less still and lonely fair than the high cloudlets in the sky. And for a minute, a blackbird sang close by, and around him, mistier, father and father, all the birds of Oxfordshire and Gloucestershire. And in the second verse of the poem, the poet tells us that the steam hissed. I'm old enough to remember traveling on a steam train and the steam and the smuts. We don't know where the train was coming from or where it was going to. Just as now, when the journey stops unexpectedly, no one bothers to speak about it for a while. Perhaps it was quite a few minutes, because in the third verse, Thomas has time to notice the willows and the willow herb. Willow herb has pink flowers and used to grow on bomb sites or wherever demolition takes place. I think these days it's been overtaken by Budlier. The scene with the haycocks and the meadow is quiet and rather lonely. And then in the last verse, the lonely silence is disturbed by a blackbird singing. And then it sounds as though all the birds in Gloucestershire and Oxfordshire had joined the blackbird and are singing. And that's why Edward Thomas remembers Adelstrop, the name. Why do I like this poem? It gives a clear picture of the countryside on a hot June day. Although we no longer have haycocks, the countryside is much the same and just as lovely.
But more than that, it's about taking time to look around. Even if one is in a fretful hurry, there's nothing that can be done. So one might as well take a breath, enjoy the silence, look around and listen. The Lighthouse Keeper The poem I have chosen has stayed with me all my life, so much so that I remember exactly when I read it for the first time. I was 17, sitting on the beach by myself, on a school trip to Spain. I was reading Pahol, that means words in, in, in uh, English, a collection of poems by Jacques Prévert, France's most popular 20th century poet, much loved poet. Birds have always played an enormous part in my life. I lived in the country in Belgium and twice we had pet birds. We had a pet magpie called Margot and later a little, um, what do you call them, a little uh, sparrow, yes, called Pipiu. And they lived freely in the house. They were both rescued. Uh, they had fallen from the nest and my brother had rescued them. And they lived freely in the house, in and out as they wished. And I recall having so many hours, playful hours, so much, felt really so blessed having these little birds in our home. And they had a, a, a very strong temper of their own, I can assure you. So the English title of this short poem is called The Lighthouse Keeper Loves Birds Too Much. I shall read it in French first, just for the sheer pleasure of it. Le gardien du phare aime trop les oiseaux, de Jacques Prévert. Des oiseaux par milliers volent vers les feux, Par milliers ils tombent, par milliers ils se cognent, par milliers aveuglés, par milliers assommés. Par milliers ils meurent. Le gardien ne peut supporter de choses pareilles. Les oiseaux, il les aime trop. Alors il dit, tant pis, je m'en fous et il est un tout. Au loin, un cargo fait naufrage. Un cargo venant des îles, un cargo chargé d'oiseaux, des milliers d'oiseaux des îles, des milliers d'oiseaux noyés. The lighthouse keeper loves birds too much. Thousands of birds fly towards the light. In their thousands they hit each other, in their thousands blinded, in their thousands stunned, in their thousands they die. The lighthouse keeper can't stand it anymore. Birds, he loves them too much. So he says, too bad I don't care, and he turns off the light. In the distance, a freighter is wrecked. A freighter loaded with birds, thousands of birds from the islands, thousands of birds drowned. When I read this poem, I very much identified with the lighthouse keeper who could no longer stand the carnage 
caused by the light which prevented ships from hitting the rocks and sinking. But I was stunned by the last line of the poem. Thousands of exotic birds died as a result of his action. And so it is sometimes that we intervene, moved by love and a desire to help, unaware that our action could have the opposite effect of love. The poem taught me to pause and think before acting, to reflect on the best course of action, and sometimes, in spite of the obvious, to let things be. The moving finger writes, and having writ moves on. Nor all thy piety nor wit shall lure it back to cancel half a line, nor all thy tears wash out a word of it. This is, this is one of many quatrains from Edward Fitzgerald's translation of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam who was a 12th century Persian scientist, astronomer, and writer. I first read the Rabbayat when I was about 20 years old, and just beginning to appreciate that poetry could speak to me about things that were difficult to express or explore in other forms of literature. I found much in these aphoristic verses that echoed my growing agnosticism and doubts of any divine presence in what, despite our increasing understanding of it, was looking like an increasingly unknowable universe. Here were verses that said it's fine to see things in this way, and maybe our lives are just a series of nights and days, and we're just passing through a giant game of chess played by destiny. Tis all a checkerboard of nights and days where destiny for men with pieces plays. Hither and thither moves and slays and mates and one by one back in the casket lays. The verses also express views on the transience of our lives, the inevitability and finality of death, and our ideas of human grandeur. Along with an understanding of the importance of seizing the all too brief moment that we're allotted here. Ah, my beloved, fill the cup that clears today of past regrets and future fears. Tomorrow, why tomorrow I myself may be with yesterday's 7,000 years. And they tell us to enjoy our friends and our lovers, to enjoy the basic needs and things of beauty, and to concentrate on the pleasures of the moment. Here, with a loaf of bread beneath the bough, a book of verse, a flask of wine, and thou beside me, singing in the wilderness. And wilderness is paradise enow. 
Some critics see a philosophy inclining to the negative in the Rabayat. But for decades now, I have found comfort and reassurance in these brief verses. And for me, they have a timelessness and truth that does not recognize culture, creed, or religion. A good Unitarian read. Thank you, Brian and Marianne and Juliet, for your poems to live by and your great reflections on them. Time for us to sing together one last time now. Our second hymn is For All That Is Our Life, uh, and it's a recording of the Kensington congregation from a few years ago, so there may well be some rustling and some coughing going on. Once again, the words will be up on your screen, so feel free to sing along or listen as you'd rather. few announcements now thanks again to all our wonderful contributors today patricia hannah juliet marianne and brian we've got a lot of poetry lovers in the congregation and i'm hoping we might do this again before too long thank you to peter for our music and trevor who joins in uh, to record a poetry themed song for our closing music today thanks to maria for co-hosting thanks to ramona and jerry for setting up at the church and sarah for hosting the watch party 
we're going to have virtual coffee time after the service so as usual you can stay behind and chat if you'd like and as i said at the start if you want to get in touch via email please do drop me a line during the week this very afternoon the west london green spirit group are going out for a picnic um, i expect everyone who wants to go on that is either already assembled at essex church or en route but if you do live within easy reach of notting hill you can dash to the church to get there by noon or uh, meet at Lancaster Gate Station by 12.30 for a walk and a picnic in Hyde Park. I want to give an especially big plug for the Poetry Group, which meets in person at a church this Wednesday at 7 o'clock, which I inexplicably managed to leave out of this week's Friday email. Sorry, everyone. The Poetry Group is run by Brian, Marianne and David. Please contact David in advance with your poetry choice if you want to come along so he can organise everyone to have printed copies on the night. We have various other small group activities on during the week. Coffee Morning is online at 10.30 this Wednesday. Um, there are still spaces left for Heart and Soul tonight or Friday at 7 o'clock. This is a contemplative spiritual gathering on Zoom, a space for prayer and deep sharing. Newcomers are always welcome. Just uh, drop me a line to sign up. This week's theme is Mistakes. I just wanted to mention another new initiative. We're experimenting with setting up a WhatsApp group to help congregation members stay in contact to share things we might find uplifting, just get a little window into each other's lives. We're going to call this the In Touch group. Uh, it's not for discussing church business or anything. It's uh, just for friendly sharing, though we might use it occasionally to help get the word out if there are any last minute programme changes. Um, if you were previously part of the Nature Carries On group or the Gratitude group that we had for Lent, it will be along those sort of lines. So please get in touch with me with your mobile number if you'd like to be included in the In Touch group and we'll see how it develops. Next week we'll be having a hybrid service um, so you can join us either at the church in person in Notting Hill Gate or online as usual at 10.30 next Sunday. All the details of the programme will be in our weekly email next Friday. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings, so we encourage you to keep in touch, look out for each other, and do what you can to nurture a supportive community. So just time for our closing words and closing music now. I invite you to select gallery view if you can, so we can get a sense of our gathered community as we close. We receive fragments of holiness glimpses of eternity, brief moments of insight. So let's gather them up for the precious gifts that they are and renewed by their grace, move boldly into the unknown. Amen.
Oh! 